Good morning, Santa Clara First Baptist Church. How are we? Good morning. morning. So this morning, I would like to consider this less of a sermon. It's more of a talk, kind of more of a lecture like I would give my students at San Jose State University. Because the scriptures that God put in my heart are scriptures that I'm struggling with, that I'm not going to really preach at you to tell you what you need to do, but kind of work in collaboration through these verses. Because I think these verses are something that we have to continue to work through our entire lives. And so part of my research for this talk was really listening to those around me. Listening to one of my graduate students who gave me a lot of insight and wisdom this week. As we sat down and we started to just discuss what is love in just a very general way. And then coming to find out that she's a Christian and she believes in God. And started to share just her point of view being from Barcelona. And that was very inspiring to me. Um, God always works through my wife, Allison. And gives me wisdom and just nuggets um, the day before, the morning before I have to preach. And being able to listen and kind of take that in. And so, this past year, I've been allowing room for God to work in and through me when I preach. In other words, last night, I was tired around 1230. Normally, I would stay up until 3, 4 and just try to create the perfect message. But God put in my heart, you need to go to sleep. You need to get some rest. Trust me. I'll fill in the gaps. And so I don't have any transitions right now. We're going to work this out together. I'm allowing the Holy Spirit just to minister through me because this is his message and his words. So I want to look at this scripture here. And from our GPS plan, I found that these verses are very powerful in our reading this past week. And as we look at these verses here, it says, Jesus replied, the most important commandment in this, listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is the one and only Lord, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. Sometimes I have difficulty with these verses. Obviously, the people that are close to me in my family, I can love them. But sometimes... When they're so close, maybe that love isn't expressed the way it should be. And loving God 
I mean, that's another challenge. You know, how can you love God and with all your whole, all, all your heart, all your mind, all your strength, all your soul? How, how can you do that? It's so kind of abstract in some ways. We feel God's presence. Our relationship with him is heart to heart. It's spiritual. He's not here in the flesh like we have a relationship with a human. And so how do we do that? We hear this often. Many of you know these verses. But just think for a moment. How do you love God with everything that you have? And how can you put him in the center of your life and make him first when you're worried about your own needs, your own goals, your own desires, your family, your children, your spouse? How do you put him first? We're going to talk about that. I think the takeaway here this morning is for us to think about You know, how can we individually be better at this? If these are the two greatest commandments, we're called as the children of God, as God's child, to be able to do these well. And if we're struggling, then we have to work at it. We have to be intentional. We have to practice. We have to look at his word as an example, and others that are in our lives that are strong Christian leaders and mentors, um, and, and how do they love God with everything that they have? So I was sitting in my office with my graduate student, and we were just talking, and she was really very grateful <clears throat> because. She's graduating in a few weeks. Um, She's been in the program for three years to receive her Master of Fine Arts. And I could just see through her expression and her words and her body language that she just really was so appreciative of the opportunities that she's been given. And I asked her, I said, you know, what brings you joy, you know, in in this Master of Fine Arts program and the art that you create. And she was talking to me about how she just embraces everything. I said, wow, you know, how how do you do that? And she says, when I go outside, I just really like appreciate when I see the flowers or I look at the sun or I'm able to go to, to college. She says, I'm so thankful and so grateful. I said, well, you know, why are you so thankful and grateful? She said, because God has created everything. And he's made me in, in his image. And that I'm so blessed because he's created this entire universe. And everything that I look at, everything that I interact with is because of him. And I said, wow, you know. I said, that's amazing that you're able to. And 
we just continued to talk, and I continued to ask her questions because I was really interested in just her um, belief system, her faith. And I asked her, I said, you know, are you Christian? Do you believe in God? And she said, yes. And she was telling me that, you know, I really don't preach at the other students or faculty, um, but my actions is what's important to me. Really not my words. Because they may be believing something else. But I feel that the way I express myself, the way I live, the way I show my gratitude, the way I show how much I love everything, then maybe they'll see that. And maybe they'll want to be like that. I thought, wow. She's really living it. She's not just doing this out of guilt or because she's told to by a pastor. But she's found how to integrate loving God with all her heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's pretty cool, isn't it? So the one thing that we did talk about is I think we need to love ourselves first. It's hard to have self-love because we've all gone through a lot of stuff. I, I think I can speak for all of us that we all have baggage. We've all been hurt. We've been wounded in the church, outside the church by people that are close to us. And so working on ourselves, I think, is really important. You know, that we're able to love ourselves first. And remember, we are created in God's image. And God sees us differently most of the time than how we see ourselves. Um, he loves us, man, unconditionally. He wants relationship with each one of us. He wants to know us intimately. And he wants us to know him intimately. When we can have that kind of relationship with the living God, then we start to understand what love really is, which will enable us to love ourselves. We can't look at the world and see how the world expresses love in our culture, in the media, <clears throat> through pop culture and art, that, that can't be our barometer because it's all false. It's all a facade. It's all advertising. It's all about consumerism. We have to really enter in and spend time with the Lord and he will show us what true love is. He will show us how we should love ourselves. He will show us how we should love others. I mean, the way we treat ourselves is definitely a reflection of how we love our Lord. When I look at 1 Corinthians 6.19, 
it really talks about how do you treat your body? Are you treating your body with respect? Are you thinking about the moral implications of sin? And doing things that can be harmful to your body and to your mind. What we put in our bodies, what we fill our minds with, what we fill our time with, is a direct proportional relationship and expression of our relationship with God. Like my student was mentioning, she wants her peers and her professors to look at how she models her life. And hopefully, they'll be able to say, wow, I would like to be like that. I would like to love unconditionally. So we need to fill our minds and our body with positive things. I mean, I know many of us are at least conscious and aware of maybe what we consume as far as food and nutrition. You know, that we know that if we we eat well and we exercise, um, that's... We're going to be healthier. So that's the first step. It shouldn't really be, I, I need to work out so I need to look good. Or I need to work out because um, I can get more dates. Or uh, I think it needs to be, I need to work out because I need to be healthier so I can live longer. And so I could be more effective for the kingdom of God. Or that I can be um, around longer to see my, my children grow up so I can impact them or help them or my friends or my relatives. And so I think sometimes we need to take the focus off of us. We need to remember that this is not our body. It's not my body. It's God's body. I've got, my body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. We don't own it. Our bodies are God's bodies. It's on loan. And so, if you lease an automobile, you want to make sure after the three-year lease that you return it in good shape so you don't have to pay any extra fees our bodies are being leased, you know, until we end up with our creator. And so we need to take care of our bodies. We need to take care of our mind. We need to be aware of, of certain things that we can filter. And we need to pass this out down to our children and to the next generation. I went to a conference yesterday uh, with some of our youth mentors from the Vibe Youth Group. And it was a regeneration forum. And this was the sixth one they've they've had, the third one that I've gone to. And every year I, I get really inspired because it's not your typical conference. It's much more cutting edge. The topics are um, 
um, are relatable, that intersect faith and culture. And it's just a, a group that's putting it on that's really concerned about our Bay Area. About Christianity in the Bay Area. And right now, um, it was communicated yesterday that San Francisco, San Jose, Oakland is number one. Number one as being the least Christian um, focused area in the United States. The least amount of focus. Which, you know, you can take it as, well, that's that sucks. This area that has all this technology and innovation. Um, we're number one at, in the United States at being a failure at spreading the gospel. But we can look at it another way that it's exciting because of the technology, because of the innovation and the energy here in the most creative part of the universe that we could do something. We can impact our community, our neighborhood with the love of God. And we can make that difference. And so that was really the focus of this conference. The title was, What Do You Believe? What do you believe? And so, um, Josh McDowell was the keynote speaker, who is a very well-known um, writer, speaker, apologist. And he said, Christianity is God coming from heaven to have relationship with us. Religion is men and women working their way to God. Let me read that again. Just kind of take this in here. Christianity is God coming from heaven to have relationship with us. Religion is men and women working their way to God. What a beautiful thing that we're a part of. That God is coming from heaven to have relationship with us. The question is, are we willing to reciprocate and to have relationship with him? If we are truly trying to love the Lord our God with all our heart, all our mind, all our soul, and all our strength, are we in relationship with him? You see, religion is all about moving up to the top to reach God. It's all about good deeds and good works. It's all about <clears throat> reaching enlightenment if you're a Buddha. It's all about doing good works and um, praying to thousands of gods if you're a Hindu so you can be reincarnated reincarnated at a higher status. 
all religions don't lead to the same place. All religions aren't the same. We have a God that sacrificed for humanity. That was humiliated. Shamed for us. To give us everlasting life. To forgive us for our sins. To give us purpose during our lifetime on this planet. No other religion has a God that will meet you where you are and accept you for who you are unconditionally. Okay, I just pressed a wrong button. And I'm out of my message. So, let's see here. Um, up? Okay. So. Cool. I'm, okay, so. Anyway, what Josh McDowell really made me think over, over the night. Like, well, yeah, you're right. I, I need to be more intentional. If God came down from heaven to have a relationship with me, I need to spend more time with him. I mean, we hear this, right, youth? You hear, okay, we need to be in the word more. We need to pray more. You know, we need to go to a youth group. We need to go to church. But we need to know why we need to do these things. And that's not for the youth, but all of us. Sometimes we're just told we, we got to do these things, but if we don't figure it out and connect personally why, then we're not going to do it. Why do we need to do these things? It's because God's come down from heaven because he wants to commune and have a relationship with us. He wants to know us intimately. And so those are the ways that we can have a relationship with him. So God has really put in my heart just these last few months, that I need to really be responsible for our environment. I didn't have that in my heart before. I didn't think about sustainability. I didn't think about the clothes that I wear, you know, are the materials eco-friendly? Do these clothes decompose in a short period of time, or if they're dry fit in polyester that has toxic materials that they'll pollute the environment, it'll take 200 years or so to actually decompose into the earth and probably will pollute our food and our water systems. I didn't think about any of this. And so God put in my heart to do this project at San Jose State. And I'll talk about that a little bit more. But he's put in my heart right now to, I need to really think about the environment. And what can I do to make a difference? And the first thing is, 
just to self-educate and just seeing what the supply chain is. What am I consuming? What is my carbon footprint? In Genesis 1.28, Then God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and the animals that scurry along the ground. God said, take care of the earth. This is a reflection of our heart. Are we selfish about our own consumerism? Are we selfless? And we're taking this verse to heart that we need to be good stewards of what God has given us. The second part of the scripture for today's talk is how can you love your neighbor as yourself? It's hard enough to love God with everything you have. Hopefully some of the things that that God put in my heart to say has you thinking right now. How many feel that you're thinking about, you know, can I love God more? Or do I need to love God more? Or maybe you got an idea to love God more. Raise your hand if you feel um, you can answer that question with yes. I feel that I need to. Or I have something I want to try. Anyone? Raise your hand. And if maybe you're not thinking or connecting, um, then we need, to, we need to pray. That God opens up our hearts Um, So we can take that step to love him um, with everything that we have. Because there's a direct proportion to loving him and to loving your neighbor. Now, again, I think we all know your neighbor is everybody. Everyone you know and everybody you don't know is your neighbor. So compassion, I feel, is the first thing that we need to have. That in Latin, compate means suffer with. Compassion means someone else's heartbreak becomes your heartbreak. Another's suffering becomes your suffering. True compassion changes the way we live. So when we're truly compassionate, like Jesus was compassionate with the Samaritan woman at the well. He didn't need to sit with her. He needed to have a conversation with her. He didn't need to tell her and offer her living water. He didn't need to turn around and talk to the woman with the issue of blood that touched his cloak. And turn and say, your faith has made you well. He didn't need to have compassion on his disciples that were uneducated and untrained and didn't know anything and still didn't get it when he was going to the cross. Those around us, our neighbors, which 
our family, our friends, people that we pray for in this church that we don't really even have a relationship with, can we suffer with them? Can we feel their pain? Can we have empathy, not sympathy, empathy for them? Can we take the time in our day to pray for them? Compassion, I feel, is the first step to loving our neighbor as ourself. Another Another thing that Jesus really talked about and emphasized is loving, loving your, na- your enemies. Well, what, do you, what does that really mean, loving your enemies? But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Man, that's radical countercultural stuff. Pray for your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. I can't do that. Maybe one of those once in a while. And then Josh McDowell was talking about just his childhood, that when he was eight years old, his mother hired a cook, and he was repeatedly raped for several years in his own household. And he couldn't tell his mother because his mother was really strict, and he was afraid that he would get a beating for lying. Finally, he told his mother... And he was getting a beating, and he just said, no, I'm sorry, I lied. And I was thinking when he told that story, which was very poignant, and just evil, he didn't say he could love his enemy, but I was thinking about that. When the Holy Spirit gave me the scripture, how do we? I don't have an answer for us, but have you loved your enemy that has done you wrong? Can you love your enemy that has done something to you that has not had closure yet, that you're still dealing with? You know, how do you forgive and love and pray for people in your life, when you're still dealing with the baggage and the shame in your own life. It's a tall order here, this scripture. But just imagine, let's look at the other side. If you were able to love your enemies and pray and do good and for them, what type of person would we be like? Maybe my student could do this. I don't know, because she was talking to me about how 
I asked her, how do you love your neighbor? And she says, well, with students, if they're mean to me, or if they're just in a bad mood, or if they do something to hurt me, she says, I give them an out. She said, I, I just think that that's not really who they are. That maybe they're just having a bad day. And so I just dismiss that. And I let it go. And it doesn't bother me. Because I know that's not who they are. It's kind of what, you know, Jesus does his grace. So when we do something and we repent and we try to turn around so we don't do it again and we ask for forgiveness, Jesus doesn't throw it in our face, doesn't make us have a guilt trip. He casts our sin into a sea of forgetfulness. So he doesn't remember it. He doesn't throw it at us. He forgives us, loves us unconditionally. I think that's what loving maybe our enemy is like. Like what Jesus does for us. When we sin repeatedly, So I think maybe we need to think about how do we have grace and love for others? How can we meet people where they are? Maybe that could help us to love our neighbor. I think sometimes we try to want people to respond or to behave the way we want them to. Sometimes We're not as patient or tolerant because we want them to be like us. Sometimes we want our children to be like us or to act like us or to do what we want them to do when we tell them to do something. And I think sometimes with our children, we may not be loving them like our neighbor. We might love them as a parent, But then all we're doing is maybe pushing them. Do your homework. Do this. Do that. Do that. You know, instead of really like having a relationship with them. I think loving your neighbor is having a relationship. So I went to see a high school version of Les Mis yesterday with my family um, at presentation, high school. And the lead that plays Jean Valjean um, is a mentee of mine. Um, I'm his lifelong mentor that his parents um, um, kind of anointed. And so he's um, a sophomore in high school at Valley Christian. And he played the, the lead role of Jean Valjean. And in Les Mis, if you know the story, it's really about a guy that is accused of stealing a loaf of bread. And he is um, 
commissioned to do 19 years of hard labor. And so when he gets out of prison, um, the first thing he does is he's invited to, into a church and um, loved by a priest to come in and to eat. But then what he, the first thing he does is he steals all the silver. Um, but he leaves two candlesticks. And then immediately um, his, um, the inspector captures him that was in prison um, with him and um, is about to condemn him again back to prison. And so this priest comes and says, hey, um, you forgot the best stuff, the two candlesticks. And so the, the inspector and the police leave. And the priest tells Jean Valjean, do good with these things that you have and become an honest man. And Les Mis is all about this journey of this man who is broken and shamed and has no capacity to love. But because of this encouragement by this priest to do well, he changes his life and is able to adopt a woman's daughter and raise her as his own and love her and have compassion to love others. When I was watching that last night, I was thinking, wow, that's how you love your neighbor. That the Holy Spirit was leading and guiding him to make that change. And it was a struggle that he had like we all have struggles. Um, I mentioned about this project I have at San Jose State. God has put it in my heart to reach out to 4,000 homeless students on our campus and do a clothing drive for students that don't have enough clothes. And so this is incorporated in this art exhibition that's coming up in a couple weeks. And it's called Fast Fashion to educate the community about what fast fashion is, which is a response to making a lot of clothing, a lot of collections, instead of the normal seasonal, in a week. That the model now has seemed to be, in 14 days, you'll conceive a concept of a design, um, manufacture it, um, ship it, and it's in your store for purchase or online, And so at a very cheap price point with unsustainable materials, with unsafe working manufacturing. Um, And so our response is slow fashion. So our exhibition shows what slow fashion is, quality, good workmanship, fair labor laws within a visual, um, visual genre of photography. And through having local artists selling repurposed clothing, sustainable clothing, thrift store clothing for students in the community to, um, to understand what they can do. So we're trying to love our neighbor so they can love our environment. Now I'm going to call Grace Robbins up as we finish up here. Grace is a leader in our 
Vibe Youth Group. And the shoot that grows is our outreach that we, that we did last year. And um, this year, the youth had an opportunity to decide on another outreach so we could make a difference. Um, they wanted to work with children again, or youth. And so, Grace, can you tell us um, exactly what we're doing this year? Okay, so last year we decided to do the shoe that grows, and then um, we're also going to do it this year because that's the choice that our youth group um, decided to do. Um, I felt bad that, like, not all the children were able to get a pair of shoes, and so we're going to be um, sending more shoes to uh, Wonders Christian Center in Uganda. And so if you look at the model here, the shoe grows as five sizes. There's some statistics up here. There's 300 million children that have no shoes. And so for health benefits as well as um, just being more functional, we want to try to give them more support. Um, This was a slide here that I showed last year of the children that were receiving the shoes, but there were so many children that we couldn't really meet the need for all of them. So Grace and the youth group definitely decided, hey, let's try it again. Let's see if we can give a little bit more this year. And so um, after church, Grace will be back there. And um, if anyone wants to donate, it's $15 for a pair of shoes. Or in the next few weeks during November, you can put it in your offering in the memo, vibe, shoe, and then that money will go towards the shoe that grows that will send uh, money. So the shoes are now being purchased in Kenya. They have a plant there, which is great. And they can ship it to the children for Christmas. Thanks.